Phantom Wonderlovers. Welcome to a place of magic and conspiracy, mystery, looking for answers, and the oddities of strangeness of this world. These are the Amalgophiles. Welcome. We are um, joined tonight by uh, our favorite, uh, Jordan Lynn Epperson here, and um, we're waiting on some other support from the other Amalgamaniacs. And um, tonight we're going to be talking about serial killers and mental defenses, um, the, the coexistence and, and, and relationship between the two, um, whether it's a, a good thing to have in a justice system or whether it's something that we should, you know, pay close attention to. But um, the underlying topic tonight is all about serial killers um, and, uh, you know, a lot and of the insanity things. defenses. Yes, insanity defenses, um, how they've been used throughout time and some of the backgrounds on some of these people. Um, so, yeah, Jordan, welcome, welcome back. It's been a little hiatus here. We took a couple of extra days off. That we did, that we did. Yes, we did. And um, I don't know, I feel uh, this has been, I've been researching the hell out of this topic. Like, I'm telling you, there's nothing to me more interesting than people. I mean, yeah. you know and what I mean? I mean? And I mean, the insanity defenses, I mean, all of that deals with the human brain. And it's amazing the kinds of things that the human brain can come up with. Oh, listen, listen here. Not since Space Captain America. <laughs> all right? Not since Space Captain America have I heard some of the things that I have heard during this research. I am genuinely appalled and at the same time proud of the human race for its mental dexterity. And I mean that. Like, it's... it's Amazing is a word, okay, to use. I'm not saying in every case, but just wow. Just wow. Some of the things that people come up with and say and decide to uh, attribute things to, it's, it gets a little, gets a little left field, Jordan. Yeah, it it does. And I mean, I, I write, you know, sometimes just, just to be writing. And I've looked up things in the past, like uh, multiple personality disorder, mm-hmm. and it's it's insane the kind of stuff that your brain will will do to protect you from trauma. Right. Um, and I mean, there are cases of like multiple personality disorder where you have a single person who their brain basically splits off into anywhere from two personalities up to like 10 different personalities and each personality is its own entity and it's triggered by some other event. And I mean, you could have, you could have a, a straight cis male and one of his personalities could be a lesbian female or a straight female. And it's the responsibility of, one of the primary personalities, because you can have primary and secondary personalities, to decide what decisions are best to be made for the person. And it's just insane that, you know, somebody's head can do this, and somebody, and one of the other personalities have no clue that any of the other personalities exist. Mm. So you can literally, well, you I mean, it's not... 
it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility to hide from yourself. I've seen it many, many times. Yeah, many I mean, times. you could literally have, you know, three personalities that are not the actual person, you know, say say the person's name is John, and it could be, you know, personality Bill, Sally, and Susan that are actually making all of those behind-the-scenes decisions for John. Hmm. And John not have a single clue about it. Wow, the depth of thinking how that how that could work. Um, before we before we go delve too far into our topic here, um, I wanted to mention that we are going to be going on a, a brief um, season break. This is the end of season one of the Amalgam Files. Shout out to everyone who made this happen, and um, it's been uh, an honor and tons of fun uh, researching and digging into topics and just uh, chopping it up with, you know, you ladies, every chance I get, you know, every time I get a chance um, to do this, it's just been great. And um, I just wanted to congratulate us, you know, as a unit and as a team, you know, for being here for this entire season and, you know, dealing with the ups and downs and pitfalls. And there's always been (laughs) a bit of agility uh, that that's needed amongst uh, the hosts and co-hosts here. Uh, But we work so well as a team and I just wanted to shout us out, um, you know, as, as a unit and also shout out all of our listeners and all of the people um, in Amalgamation and Amalgamania that made this uh, possible from the jump. So um, thank you all. And um, I'm so proud to be here at the end of this uh, season and next season. Uh, we will be starting up at the end of October. The plan, the plan is to travel to Massachusetts to get some um, on scene footage and interaction with some of the peoples in the town of Salem. We're going to be going over specifically the Salem witch trials and, you know, witches and their lore throughout, you know, history and what that means and their role in society and what they have come to. I'm going to see if I can get myself a, uh, an actual Wiccan to join us. Um, come hang out with us, maybe uh, let us know a few things, uh, educate us some, uh, given that, um, again, like I said, this has always been such a uh, hard topic, uh, you know, for people because of the mistreatment and the brutality and uh, all the other things that have encompassed this. And I just feel like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good topic for us to sink our teeth into. So if... Um, you guys are interested and are going to be around at the end of October. I know we're going to be doing our Hollows Eve thing and everything like that. But um, if you guys do want to join in or want to participate, we will be coming back at the end of October with the Salem witch trials and witches in general, the lore, the myth, the legends, all of that good stuff. So stay tuned. Um, redirecting back to the show topic, you know, me, Jordan, you know, I, uh, every once in a blue, you know, in my infinite wisdom, I uh, got a couple of questions because you can't have infinite wisdom without questions, right? Right? Exactly. Exactly. So how else, how else are we going to learn something? That's what you know. What one of my favorite teachers in uh in in middle school, uh, Mr. Christopher Banning, excellent teacher, he was a social studies teacher, probably the best teacher a guy could ever have. Um, he used to always say, "The only stupid question is the one you don't ask." And, um, well, I, well, I don't know. I, I have to, I have heard some dumb questions. Well, I mean, we're, this is the Amalga Files. We research the dumb questions. You know, we <laughs> we we cultivate but, and find out who said it and where. <laughs> but as long as, as long as you're asking, you know, 
questions, then you know, I I, I guess I, it's I, I guess it's better than not asking anything. You know what I mean? Because some people, I'd rather a dumb question than some people just assume things on their own because that's when it gets real dicey. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> that's very, as as that's I think we're about true. to learn here in a, in a few minutes. <laughs> oh man! So um, okay, questions. Um, delving into our target topic here, uh, is mental defense a defense at all? Now, when I ask this question to you, I mean, you've heard several different, um, iterations of someone saying, Hey, look, you know, uh, I was crazy during the time of this happening. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, the devil made me do it. It was the dog. It was the wife. It was this. People that um, find a way to deflect what's going on with them in a situation where someone's been hurt or killed or accosted in some way. And I just need to know, okay, you're on a jury. I'm gonna, I know normally you can't have any bias going into a jury, but you're biased on this. You're, going to, you're in the jury. You're sitting there. You're hearing the defense. You're you. What is your opinion about mental defense being a defense? Are you are you there listening and absorbing someone telling you that the dog told him to kill his entire family with a, with a you know a claw hammer? Like is this is this a guy? Is this what we're doing this afternoon? Are we getting lunch and then going to do this because I need to know? on the situation because there definitely are some people who try to use that defense and they're not crazy at all. They just don't want to go to prison. I'm um, one of them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just but, kidding. you know, there, I mean, there are people who, who do have legitimate mental health disorders, illnesses, whatever, who I, I would rather them get some kind of psychiatric help than them be stuck in a prison not getting any help and Lord knows how much violence that's going to cause in said prison mm. um, or them just deteriorate and get worse or potentially kill themselves because, I mean, we've all, we've all heard about, you know, this person or that person committing suicide in prison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean... It, no matter no matter how how well the guards try and you know protect people from themselves, things always slip through the cracks. Oh, absolutely. Um, so for me, it would definitely be on a case by case um, basis, and I would I would need to hear what's going on, and I would prefer that there be some kind of expert witness, like a psych, psychiatrist or whatever who's also analyzing them that could, you know, speak about, you know, oh, this person really does have X, Y, and Z based on my findings. Okay. Um, but if, if, if I can't get that kind of support, then, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to find them, you know, guilty and send them to prison and hope that somebody will continue monitoring them there. Okay. So I'm I'm probably a little bit more towards the molder, but in the middle still. Okay. 
right. All right. No, and you know what? That's I hate to say it, and I'm kind of with you on this one, kind of. Um, but yeah, that's fair. Being in the middle on this is fair because you don't really know until, like you said, you have all the evidence. The um, the question was posed in a way to kind of invoke that as an answer, honestly, is that you really wouldn't know until you heard all of the facts. And that's the point of having a fair jury of your peers is to have, you know, that allowance of facts and, and, and whatever else might be happening in the situation to be read and, uh, you know, um, recorded to then, you know, inflict some kind of judgment or rule over the situation, which, okay, this is the society we live in, which, uh, you know, I don't know, it, it wouldn't be my personal design, but it's what we got. And, you yeah. know, this is how it works. So, okay. And um, I got to say, I, I, I can definitely be a little more scully here um, than Mulder, but I get the metal. I understand exactly what you mean by the middle because I would be willing to sit and, you know, listen, but I'm, and I, and, and you can only go off your own perspective because unless you've been insane before or a couple of times, you really don't have a nickel in this quarter. You know what I mean? Like unless you've been diagnosed as something or have had some kind of insight to that kind of mindset, you really don't have a nickel in this quarter. You don't know what a person with severe depression or multi-personality or overeating disorder or something you don't know what these people go through you don't know what their mind tells them because i used to really you know get on a, a, a really close friend of mine about their depression uh you know just tell them come on you gotta cheer up you gotta do this you gotta do that and i'm not understanding how crippling it was for them at that time of course you know they soldiered on at some point and moved past it thank god but I didn't realize how debilitating and, and, and crippling it was for them. To me, it was like, oh, you're just, you know, soaking it up. Like, come on, we'll, it's going to be all right. The sun will come out tomorrow. And for some people, it effectually won't, you know. And so you have to kind of take that perspective and say to yourself, well, you don't know what that person is going through. So in that spirit, you're willing to sit down and listen and, and, and hear the facts and judge according to the facts, which I agree. Um, now, I'm going to need a lot of facts. Like you said, I'm gonna need. Yeah. I'm gonna need all. I want. Of the facts. I want as much information yeah. as I yeah. can accrue before I'm making this decision. And a second opinion. As a matter of fact, I don't like the first opinion. We are gonna get a second opinion. We are gonna have to. We have to deliberate, yeah. and we are gonna get a second opinion. Because listen, man, I know the difference between those doctors and you know listening to them. Those doctors that are there for the dollar and those that are there to heal. Um, they just sound like two completely different people. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 really usually easy to. Uh, uh, find that discrepancy. So I need all of the facts. I need all of the issues. I need everything to be 100% clear. And, and unfortunately, in a lot of these cases, that's not what you get. You know, that's what you need, you know, to be able to make a fair and unbiased choice. But yeah. how how randomly are you going to come across that? Are you going to come across, you know, that, hey, look, here's a slam dunk. The guy wrote it in blood that he did it for the money. And there's not really yeah. much deliberation on that. Like, he did it for the money. Okay, cool. Let's send him to the electric chair or whatever we're going to do. Life in prison, however you want to do it. And uh, keep it moving. You know, it's it's, it's a lot easier to, to, to be there for something like that to where, you know, there's all this chaos and, and destruction and, and, and death. And, you know, and, and that's pretty much what we're going to be getting into. So I agree. Yeah, um, and I mean, I also found that, you know, in a ton of the cases that I was working at in, in one particular topic, um, 
judges were throwing out evidence of past trauma and stuff like that left and right. Okay. Basically discrediting these these theories and stuff, just throwing it out. Basically said it doesn't it doesn't make a difference in in this case, and so the jury's never even got to see that extra information wow. that could have potentially led them to make a different decision. Mm. So I mean, it's not even all. it's not even it's not even just the information that's made available to us. It's the information that we're allowed to see. Mm. And we and you know, as always, we here on the Amalgam Files like to give it to the government when they deserve it. You know, I mean, listen, hey, the, the system sometimes needs a tweaking. You know, sometimes yeah. it needs a little bit more polish, spit shining, a little more attention paid to it. You know, that's just yeah. how it works. This is this is what we're trusting this to keep us all safe, to keep us all unified, to keep us all in one piece here in this uh, great country of ours. So we gotta, you know, we gotta do due diligence. It sucks to have to deliberate on a jury for four or five rounds because there's so many questions, but I'd rather that than one where it's like, you know, look, we're tired. Let's just convict the guy and go home. Yeah. You know, so I agree. I got to agree there. Um, My next question. How crazy is crazy? Now, this is not a personal question I'm asking you, like, because I know there's, you know, do I uh, quietly swear under my breath or run up to the second floor and drop a piano on this person. You know what I mean? Um, for our own selves, we have our own levels of crazy, but okay. Where do you, where's the line for you? Um, does hurting or killing someone automatically make you uh, insane and or mentally debilitated somehow because you're not supposed to do that to people or you know, is there something natural? Is there something a little more visceral there that we're not given their just due? You know, I've heard of crime of passion. Of course, we're focus, focus, focusing on mostly serial killers in this particular discussion, but I've heard of crimes of passion. I've heard of crimes where, you know, you know, some kid just happened to have, you know, playing with his gun and killed a guy. And, it was an accident. Well, I wouldn't know. really call it an accident. Grabbing the well, gun kind of, you know, takes the accident factor out of hands. But obviously, he didn't set out to murder this person. Manslaughter versus murder. Yes. Like, of, he obviously had no malicious intent to kill his best friend, but that's what happened. You know what I mean? Like, and you got right. these situations where you're sitting here like, how crazy is crazy? Like, what do you, what do you, where does the line of crazy stop and the line of responsibility begin? to serve time in like a mental institution as a result of their crime, they are they are being held responsible to an extent. It's a different extent than, you know, if they went to prison, but they are being held responsible to an extent for their actions. And they are getting help. But I think that, you know, anybody who kills somebody or intentionally injures somebody that you know they should be held responsible for their actions um and you hear about so many people that you know they kill somebody or they accidentally kill somebody and then guilt and remorse eats them eats them up and i think that's still a 
form of, you know, holding themselves responsible, I think there should be further action beyond that. But, you know, I, I think that the people who are at least feeling remorse and guilt, they're a little bit closer to the normal end of the spectrum, I would think. Um, granted, nobody's normal. Normal is just what we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> no, that's that's definitely true. Like I, I've I've never met a person that is that is really actually normal. Um, yeah, I don't think it exists personally. I think, like you said, it's just that you know that monster under the bed that that helps keep us up at night. It's not really that. It's not real, in my opinion. But you know, anybody anybody that kills somebody, there is going to be some level of mental something going on there. Whether it's they feel absolutely nothing and they do need full on psychiatric help, or They've now experienced a trauma that they've perhaps created themselves, but, you know, maybe they need some mental help because of that. Um, it may not necessarily be that it, that the mental problem caused the problem. It could be that the problem has now caused the mental health issue. Um, I, I feel like the two go very hand in hand and are very cause and effect. It could be one before the other, or it could be the other way around. Okay. Um, so I think there, I think there is a a mental health aspect to pretty much all violent crimes. I can't think of a single one that would not, at some point, affect somebody's mental health or vice versa. Right. Okay, by deed of design, I gotta agree. I, I can't, I can't say you're way off on the next pier on this one. I, I can definitely, I, I understand where you're fishing at here. I got you. Um, I guess for me, I don't have a line here. Um, I'm completely, uh, uh, you know, scully on this one. Like, I, I need, I need the facts. Show me, show me the money. I'm Jerry Maguire here. I need to know what's going on. Um, if you don't have those for me. Um, it's uh, it's harder for me to be able to articulate um, a true response. Like I'll hear you, and then I'll have to think about it, ponder on it. If I don't have all the facts, so that's me. Uh, I'm always have that need for proof. I don't care if the devil made you do it, or the dog made you do it, or you you know got beat a lot as a kid. I, listen, I, we all did. So you know, in a way, one way or the other. So you know, we all have our, have our traumas, is what I mean, and we all have our indifferences in life and because of that fact i'm gonna need to see your id on this one you know what I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna need i'm gonna need two forms of identification please before you're allowed to get on this ride here you know what i mean so uh that's yeah. my that's my personal uh take on it um my next question i'm actually gonna skip sociopath and psychopath question because honestly i feel like the uh target topic is so enriched with those two words <laughs> that we're going to have plenty of, um, you know, uh, pros and cons. About. We're going to cover, we're going to cover a lot of it. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah. So I figured we're just going to save that one. But, um, this one, this was a good one before we go to break. Um, which serial killer profile gave you the most pause, i.e. grabbed your attention the most? Um, I'm going to go with the, uh, 
Um, let's see. I, I looked at three different people um, in which one guy, he was actually the inspiration for the movie Psycho, uh, Silence of the Lambs, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and, I mean, he, he, reading about him gave me, gave me a bit of pause, because I was like, how did nobody see there was a problem? Right. Um, and then I have another one that, you know, I, I, I briefly mentioned about my own family history to you off air. Right. Uh, about my great 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 grandmother, my grandmother, or my great grandmother's grandmother. Um, so this one kind of gave me pause because I, I could I could see how this happened based on the family story that's been passed down. Uh, this woman had uh, postpartum depression and it made her kill her five kids. Okay. So I think those were the two that that really you know hit me the one because I, I don't know how how this one man went for so long without anybody noticing there was a there was an issue. Um, and then this other woman that I was like, I it, it, it's a real tragedy because of her children, but at the same time I feel like maybe if she had gotten some kind of help before this, it could have completely been avoided. So Okay, so a uh, precursor to before this happened, it could, like you said, it could, if they would have been a little more diligent, a little more. Uh, yeah, I think we could have. I think we could have avoided this situation altogether. Okay. Um, surprisingly enough, um, for me, there's so many of them that grab my attention. Um, yeah. While I was while I was doing the research here, and I mean, I've been through. A little bit of everybody, uh, research-wise, as far as uh, serial killers. My son, as a matter of fact, was um, in my room uh, just hanging out, and he said, Dad, what are you watching? And I'm like, um, Daddy has to uh, research serial killers. So, I'm, uh, <laughs> When I was doing my research, I was like, mm, my FBI agent's monitoring my phone. Oh, oh, they're having a ball. Oh, my Facebook history is going to get us at least five years. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. If the if the feds go into my Facebook history, Jordan, we're both going to jail for five years just because you're on the phone with me. We're going down. I mean, I was looking up, I was looking at battered woman and battered wife syndrome. Oh my god! And then I was also looking at uh, one woman who I was trying to find if she uh, if she had pleaded an insanity defense, and no, she didn't because she, in theory, is dead. Um, she did. She never went to court or trial or anything like that. They found a, a headless body that they assume was hers. Right. Um, she was murdering her husband and uh, to claim like insurance money. And I'm like, hmm, they're gonna think I'm about to murder my husband. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I'm. I would hate if <laughs> the I'm FBI like, decided like, to go into my browser history for the last week and a half, two weeks. I'm going down. I'm, I'm, I'm like, gonna be oh, eleven. Oh God, I really. Like, I really, really hope that nothing happens to Spencer. I mean, I hope that anyway, because okay, I don't want of him course, to die. Of course, right, but, but it's just going to look a lot worse. Like, <laughs> I'm like, mm, this is going to look suspicious as hell if something were to happen to him after oh, I've been looking up all of this stuff. 
Oh man, I'm telling you, I just because I just I looked in my um, I was actually before we did the uh, poll, I was looking in Google just to see a couple of things that I need to uh, real quick at the fine points of, and I'm looking at my browser history like, oh my god, like this is <laughs> they're gonna think I'm some kind of serial killer stan, like this is nuts, and uh, but yeah, I was uh, watching you know um this one special on, of course, Amazon is my go-to. Uh, for uh, off-cable movies and TV and stuff. I go to Amazon. It's got so much good stuff on there. And um, Richard Kalinske uh, kind of grabbed my eye. I didn't really know much about this guy. I, heard, I think I heard about him. I think I heard him in a like a hip-hop song or something. And um, I was always wondering, who is this guy? Who's the Iceman? And uh, I went back. The sounds really familiar. Oh, he's... I'm, I'm, Oh, he, when I get into him, yeah, no, nah, when I get into him, you'll definitely know that you've got to know this guy. Like, I'm surprised I did. And um, he's just like, he's uh, definitely a prolific uh, serial murderer right here in our own country. So um, I'm going to say that he was my, 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 my star studded pick here as far as the one that grabbed my attention the most, like, and not so much because his crimes were, I mean, they were uh, overtly heinous and, and brutal, but it was just the normalcy of this guy, like just who he was. He was just kind of around and, you know, had all these dealings to do with all these people dying. And it was just kind of crazy, you know, that, um, you know, the killer amongst you, you know, kind of thing. And, um, that was just very, uh, eye opening for me. Um, so those are my questions for right now. We're going to go into a bit of a little break here, you know, pay some bills, do some shout outs. We got some commercials to play for y'all. And um, when we come back, we're going to get into the target discussion and um, get into some uh, uh, definite, definite, definite breakdowns on uh, mental instability, mental, mental stability as it relates to serial killers and other violent crimes. Um, we have a giveaway real quick before we go on the break. Um, we're going to be giving away, shout out to both. Um, avid supporters and uh, members and listeners to this podcast and also um, curators and founders of their own uh, ventures and uh, podcast networks and all kind of stuff, uh, podcast shows they have going on and um, even writing. These guys have been doing some amazing things. I want to shout out Steve Van Sampson, our very own uh, Parasite Steve, and Patrick Rahal, our favorite angry nerd. Um, these guys have been... Um, at work with their talent and have written some books and um, not only to show support to what they have going on, but also um, because they are amazing talents. I'm going to go ahead and purchase both of these books and give a copy away to two listeners who uh, lets us know in the comments to either the poll or the uh, release post of this podcast, what serial killer most interested you as far as finding out about them or hearing about them somehow or following them throughout the media and why um do that and we will be sending you a copy of um this book was written by patrick rayhall released on august 18th 2020 how much do you tip an exorcist which i need to know so i'm going to be reading this myself just in case i have to tip one and uh, that one that one, based on what Patsy was telling me, it's um, it's got like a bunch of different content in it. It's like it's not one 
one whole story, the whole thing. It's like a bunch of little tiny stories. And, oh, like your Edgar Allan Poe's then, yeah. And, and like lists. And, right. and it's basically a big compilation of his own writing. Okay. All right. So um, a lot of bang for your buck there. Get you some if you haven't gotten some. Or uh, simply let us know who your favorite serial killer is, and you might get you some from us. Um, the other one is um, Slay, um, Stories of the Vampire Noir. And um, this was uh, featured by our very own parasite, Steve Van Sampson, and uh, released October 13th of 2020. So that's coming up soon. That one hasn't been released yet, but I believe we can yeah, and that get... One, that, that one, I think, is available for pre-order now. And, yeah. Uh, it's also it's also a compilation. It's got a bunch of different authors that have written. Uh, I believe they're all just vampire stories, is what they are. Oh wow! So so you you might even find you a new author that you love, and you know reading through Steve, it right exactly. Steve, yeah, Steve writes great stuff. So oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, I know you at least like one of the stories out of them. <laughs> of course, absolutely. So um, that's going to be our, our giveaway prize. We're going to be giving away both of these gentlemen's books, um, purchasing, then giving away both of these um, gentlemen's books um, as a show of appreciation and, you know, to get you all read up and get you something interesting to read during these cold months coming up here, sit you by the fire, by your space heater, or whatever you got, warm yourself up with a good book, you know? So congratulations to um, Steve Van Sampson and for Patrick Rahal. Keep up the great work, guys. I'm looking forward to sinking my eyeballs into these uh, reading materials. And uh, we're going to go on a short break and come back and get into our target discussion here on The Amalga Files. In a world where you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, a nation of nerds unites to bring you something truly epic. Amalgamation is proud to present the Epic Airways Podcast Network. Featuring great shows such as AmalgaCast, Epic Tales Podcast, The Not-So-Super Dudes, Anime a la carte, Epic Tales of the Sewer, Amalgophiles, and The Fantastic Podcast. And we are back! Welcome back, welcome back. Our listeners, it is I, the boy wonderful Ian Wallace, and of course the lovely Jordan Lynn Epperson, and uh, we are your hosts tonight for the Amalga Files. Um, tonight's topics, serial killers, mental defenses, um, overall lore concerning serial killers. Um, let's chop it up, Jordan. We got target discussion here. This is what we came for. This is why we're here. So, normally what we like to do at this point is um, I give Jordan her spiel, I give her her uh, soapbox here, and she stands on it, and she lets me know about all of the different research topics that she's uncovered on the topic, and let me know what she thinks about these different cases, and I'm going to listen avidly, and then she's going to give me a turn to do the same thing. Meanwhile, you're going to listen to both of us, and hopefully communicate to us what you think, and if we get some call-ins, that would be awesome. Um, but for right now, Jordan, if you don't mind, go ahead and kick knowledge, drop science, whatever you got. All right. Well, at first I looked up a specific mental health, uh, defense, uh -huh. um, which was the battered wife woman syndrome. Nice. Uh, it's 
it's now more often called battered person syndrome because now they've included men. It, it does more often happen to women because usually women aren't as uh, strong as the male partner that might be attacking them. But um, basically, it's a subcategory of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and this defense really became more mainstream uh, defense in the 1990s uh, when it, it, it showed up in several cases, murder cases in England. Um, but there have been records of, you know, cases in Canada and Australia and New Zealand and even the U.S. Uh, it actually seems to be the most accepted out of all of those countries that I've mentioned um, in the U.S., and the U.S. is working really hard to try and figure out how to define it um, because it it completely changes how we have in the past defined provocation um, because battered, battered person syndrome, it isn't a... Um, it, it is a self-defense um, defense, but it isn't actually like, oh, well, so-and-so tried to stab me, so I shot them. It's so-and-so has been abusing me for X number of time, and I, I, the only way I feel like I can get out is to murder them. And it's after a, a series of events. It's not, you know, oh, they did something to me, so I did something back. It's they've been doing something to me, and one night I just snapped and couldn't take it anymore. Right. Okay. Um, and I found tons and tons of cases where uh, these women have... Uh, murdered their husbands that have been abusing them or, or their significant others that have been abusing them. And I couldn't find a single one where the defense has actually uh, worked as a, as, a, as a mental defense. Um, and a lot of that has to do with just the way the law is written. Hmm. Um, the one that I found that was the most successful, but it wasn't successful at all. She ended up having to serve 18 years in prison still. But um, the most successful one I found was actually in Florida. Um, the woman, she, uh, uh, let's see. she shot her husband and killed him. Um, and it went to court, all of that. The jury shot it down because of um, the Castle Doctrine, which basically says that in the state of Florida, if somebody threatens you or attacks you, you are supposed to retreat and you are supposed to leave wherever it is if you are capable of doing so. <laughs> well, <laughs> right, of course. That's, it makes the most However, sense. However, that law does not pertain to if you are in your own dwelling. Well, Jordan, if you're getting axe murdered, just walk away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that defense doesn't pertain to 
pertain to if you are in your own dwelling. But the problem is, if both people live in that same house, then how do you escape, retreat, leave? So they've they've turned it around. So now that it's kind of you know, uh, well, you have to retreat, but you don't have to actually leave the house. You just have to you know get away from them. <laughs> in the house that they live in, right, right, right. No, that, yeah. that, that's yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. And um, the Florida Supreme Court actually uh, pulled that case and appealed it themselves. She didn't. She didn't have to file for an appeal. The the Florida Supreme Court decided that they wanted to, you know, have further discussion about this this instance and um, let her re-argue it. Uh, she still, I guess, got prison time, but you know. It, it, it has been a step in the right direction for um, for the United States for in these abuse cases, um, but I mean we have we have people that it's like one woman she uh, she killed her her spouse because he he was threatening. Uh, sexual and violent abuse towards her and her daughter. Mm. And basically he had been um, he had been abusing her but when he started threatening the daughter she she snapped. And killed him. And and you know what? This man was an idiot. I yeah, you aren't gonna tell me you aren't gonna hear me tell you very often that you know this man deserved to die, but this man I mean he got him, there are those cases, you know. He got himself killed, okay? Um he was apparently super obsessive, jealous, controlling, and she got him to agree to being restrained, wearing handcuffs, being blindfolded, being gagged as part of their sexual activities. Right. Okay? And then she killed him. Oh, wow. He's all trussed up, and she killed him. And, and I'm like, and dude. He, and he let this do this to uh, The same woman yeah. who he's been abusing. The same woman who he's been abusing and threatening her and her daughter, <laughs> and he was just like, here, yeah, tie me up. Cool. Right? <laughs> yeah, that should that should work really well for us all. And I'm and I and I read this and I was like, Wow. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna say that dude deserved to die, but he he was asking for that one. Hey, listen. <laughs> hey, as as the man once said, you go looking for the bull, and you get the horns. <laughs> Yeah, it mean, is what it is. Like you go looking for the bull, you get the horns. I'm sorry. So yeah. yeah, and I mean, I read about cases where a woman homemade napalm and set fire to her bed and her husband. Oh wow. Um, yeah, uh, which he had he had apparently been raping her, and he had also threatened to break her ankles and burn her with a hot iron earlier that night. Mm. So when he went to bed, she just made some napalm in her house and set the bed on fire and, you know, whatever. Um, I'd love to sit down and talk to her for a couple of minutes. Right? So you made napalm. And how'd you, yeah. how'd that come to you? <laughs> like, 
This and, is, and this is pre pre internet, right? Uh, this was in the nineties. Okay, so this was yeah, this so, was so before. There was, so there was some internet, but it wasn't I mean, like you know not readily accessible to everyone is what I mean. Like you had to be yeah, you had to be a Ford uh, nerd to know you know something about the internet. This chick wouldn't have had access to like how to make and, napalm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Check Jordan. We're actually getting a call here. Oh, okay. You are on the line with the Amalga Files. Who do we have here? This is Taryn Barber. Of course it is. <laughs> hey, Taryn. <laughs> Hello. What's going on, boss? Just calling to um, weigh in on the topic of serial killers and the insanity plea. Well, you called the right place. This is the Amalga Files, where we do serial killers and mental disorders. I said that. That and came out completely. And have the FBI monitoring all of our phones. That came out completely wrong. I didn't mean. To, <laughs> I didn't mean to make it sound like the weird. This is not the place for people with mental disorders that do serial killing. I, what I meant to say was, this is the place we, you we want to call. <laughs> if we can you want to. it, but please don't. Please don't come and. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, please. We're not. Don't join our cult. Not this time. <laughs> not this time. Please don't kill me. Right. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, we're actually, that's our topic tonight, is serial killers and mental defenses, and we are glad you called. So, uh, you wanted to weigh in. What do you got? We were actually just I, discussing um, target, uh, the target topic in general, and um, Jordan was just talking about mental disorders and how yeah, women was, have used them in abuse. I was talking about specifically uh, battered person syndrome and how a lot, of, a lot of women have used it in self-defense abuse cases and how... Mm -hmm unsuccessful it's been so far and how it's actually changing tons of laws because people are having to re uh rethink the definition of the of these different terms right so where do you weigh in what do you got right. what do you got for? and with battered women that's um that's tricky in particular because i mean i don't know to what extent you can account for um nurture and mm. how women are expected to behave you know women are supposed to be meek and docile and subservient um cultures for a long time when we were expected to be that way where are those so, women at I mean, just the, um, the idea of uh women fighting back um against the man who's supposed to be dominant in a relationship um was pretty foreign for a while and i'm not sure courts uh, take that into account um and it begs the question of nature versus nature in general when you're talking about different Psychoses, like is a psychopath born a psychopath, for example, mm. or are there instances of trauma in the childhood that lead up to that? Um, and also, and uh, Patrick Rayall for the poll said it was a tough one, and I agreed because, again, to what extent is uh, society responsible for curbing psychopathic behavior or for um, noticing it? when it starts or that it might be a problem later. To what extent is everybody around that person responsible for not doing something to stop it? Okay. Well, well hold on. Now that we, um, cause you guys have actually circled around kind of to one of my target topics, 
or shall I say, half of one of my target topics, and I kind of want to delve into that before we let you go here, Madam President. Um, the Beltway, and this is something I think is going to be a little close-reaching for all of us. I think it's going to touch all of us on a closer uh, place because I think all of us have had to deal with this the aftermath or the initial um, beginning of all of this stuff. So the Beltway Snipers. Oh, the DC snipers? Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember these guys. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, I was I was in uh, elementary school. Okay. Um, I, I was in elementary you. school, and I remember we weren't allowed to go on the playground. Right. And I remember that, like, teachers were giving instructions, like, walk in zigzag lines. Uh, don't stand out in the open. Make sure you're in, you know, well-lit, well-populated areas, things like that. And the so, reason... Yeah, I, so you, I know I you remember, remember. Uh, Taryn. Do you? I, I, I'm sure that this is something you've either either heard of or had some kind of personal. Oh, absolutely. I was in I to say college um, when this was going on, and I remember that getting gas was suddenly dangerous, and that when you went to gas stations, like Jordan said, you weren't supposed to walk like in a straight line from the car um, up to the door. You had to be a moving target at all times. You just couldn't sit on the open. Um, and I remember that extremely vividly because this is in the area that I lived in at the time. Um, and it was just this constant danger. How do you look out for a sniper <laughs> at night? You yeah. can't. Right. You and, have to um, hope that they don't see you or they don't talk to you. sniper driving a white van, which, I mean, Lord knows how many of those are out on the streets. And so. that was actually just uh, news media. These guys were changing cars every time they were going out and I think they were operating mainly out of one and um, it definitely wasn't a van. These guys were, and see, that's, that's why I brought this up for two reasons. For one, so that we can talk about the overall defense um, that these guys had used or their excuses to these crimes. Cause one of them's already been executed and the other one's been sentenced to life in prison. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about this because it was interesting enough that when Taryn kind of was, going into her experience with these types of personalities on her, um, in her personal life. I mean, I'm sorry, in her professional life. Um, Lee Boyd Malvo popped into my head, like as she was talking, like this picture of this boy um, from the news, like they had this news mugshot of this boy. And I mean, like this child. And I'm looking at his face and I'm like, this kid laid down in the trunk of a of a car, and I mean, I'm not talking about you. And this is this is something that unfortunately is all too true when it comes to crime in this country. We've become desensitized to the to the drive by shooting and to the, you know, every often so you know liquor store hold up or or you know crime of passion. Like these are things that we're largely desensitized as a country to because they've just gone on for so long and it happened so many different times. So when you get a crime like this, like Terrence said, where, you know, you, you, your purse getting snatched is something you were always worried about because it could happen. Right. But when you're trying to get gas in your car and you're, you gotta be scared and zigzagging to your, to your, to the door from your car, like, and you're, you know, thinking that you're going to be murdered for, you know, getting gas. It's like, you got to think to yourself, right. <laughs> if we're just existing, you know, that's such a, that's such a a, a a wild feeling, like thinking about it. Like, and um, unfortunately for me, I wasn't in the area when it happened. I was actually in another state, but um, my sister lived 
uh, right in Montgomery County in Bowie, as a matter of fact. And um, man, just you know, the thought like you know, my my nephew and my sister are you know on in that kind of danger from some guys that I don't even know. Like it just it was just a really far-reaching grab. And then you get into you know, and we're gonna get into the age of Lee Boyd Marvel at the time and how all of this kind of transpired or whatever, or briefly anyway, but um, in general, when you look at this situation for what it is and you say to yourself, okay, well, you know, you got these guys, what makes a man, you know, adopt this young homeless kid, take him out to uh, Washington somewhere, uh, Washington State somewhere, teaches him how to fire a, a, one of the most dangerous rifles on earth, and then goes about this shooting spree. Like, what was the real reason, you know, for this? And why, you know, what 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 happened, you know, to make you just wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to shoot up people in Montgomery County, uh, you know, or, or we're going to travel across the country sniping people because of whatever. And, of course, um, you know, as you get into the uh, brass tacks, and, of course, mental health was something that was brought up, um, Lee Boyd Malvo as especially, um, you know, brought out the, oh, well, you know, I was abused card. I was this card. You know, I was, I have these issues that made me susceptible. And it's like, I'm sorry for me personally. I think it's a, it's like Taryn said, like, this is something that either didn't get caught at the right time. Either way, I think it's too late at that point. I, I don't want to hear it. Like you terrorized an entire country. And then it wasn't like, okay, well, this is all about jihad and, and us being um, black Muslim Americans. And, and we want to, you know, uh, fight the man on the man's terms. Well, why did you try to stick up the, you know, the federal government for $10 million in between stall of that? You know, one of the reasons why three more people died is because Lee Boyd Malvo actually called into a tip line to uh, negotiate the, the demands of where the money was supposed to get left. And um, he got hung up on four times. Like, obviously, there's no way that you can screen every single tip that comes in. There's 70,000 of them coming in every, you know, day or so. So it's not like you could screen every one. So this poor operator, not thinking that this guy was the real thing, just hung up on this kid four times. And he went out and shot three more people. Like, I'm sorry. At this point, I don't, I don't see how you could, you know, and it, it angers me a little bit that you could do this like this and then say, oh, well, I ain't right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like that's well, my it's excuse. Kinda, it's kind of like what I was saying when you asked me what, what people kind of made me pause when I was reading them. And I'm like, how did somebody not notice some of these things before this became a whole issue? Right. I mean, some, sometimes there are just like these huge red flags, arrows pointing, and people are just like, eh, whatever, they're just a little eccentric. Yeah, it's a little different than everybody else. Everybody, Everybody's special now. So, Karen, we also have these extremely marginalized segments of the population that uh, people just don't care about at large. Like, look at all the serial killings of prostitutes. One of the reasons they're targeted is because the thought is that nobody's going to miss them. Like, these aren't upstanding members of society. So who cares if we kill them? And Lee Boy Malvo was homeless. He was a homeless kid. Um, that John Allen Muhammad um, took home with him from a homeless shelter. So he wasn't somebody who was on a radar to begin with. So who was there to notice what was happening to this kid? Well, 
and and don't get me wrong, and that's and that's and that's what I was going to ask you. As a matter of fact, is you being a teacher, you being a nurturing uh, soul, you know, educating the masses, you know, and have been doing so for however long, you know, you look at this boy and you look at his face, and is that the first place your mind goes? To? I mean, you're on a jury here. Is that the first place your mind goes to when you look at this boy? Like, okay, what's the story here? Is it more, you know? I couldn't walk to the ATM without thinking somebody was going to shoot me because of this guy. You know what I mean? Like, how did, how did it feel when you saw, you know, I mean, I obviously didn't know what the day, where the danger was coming from. But when it was all brought to the surface and here you are sitting, you know, in your living room about to have, you know, your, your, your tie. And, um, you know, this, this picture of this child is, is plastered out of the news like they caught him. What do you think? Like, do you think like, wow. I wonder what happened to him, or is it a more good that God has asked? Yeah, it, it is. I do actually wonder what happened. Yeah, like what happened to this kid? You know, what went on in his life? What were the circumstances that led to him doing what he did? Which is not in any way to absolve him of responsibility. Oh no, not at all. Action. Yeah. But there is a story there, and I think that not enough people care about that story. Um, I think if enough, enough people did care, we would see a lot less stories like that. A lot less. Um, children committing crimes and, and the uh and the volume that they are so yeah I, I do feel sympathy for um for this kid because he he is a child or he was a child at the time that he committed these crimes um and it's i i, I guess there's a, a duality to it a double-edged sword like i can consider the crime itself to be a part while also, again, understanding that this is a person, like, I don't take somebody's crime and immediately equate it with the person himself. Mm. Um, like this child, he's nothing but a criminal. He's just evil. He deserves to die. Like, my mind doesn't go there um, because it's still a person. And even if that particular person is hopeless um, or has already been convicted, is already, you know, sentenced to be in jail for the rest of his life, there's another one like him. So somewhere. how do we stop the next yeah, one? Yeah, somewhere out there in some homeless shelter, there's another right. lead boy, Malvo, you know, being taken advantage, you know, by some mastermind guy trying to stick up the FBI for $10 million. You know, it's it's definitely right. plausible. It's not outside the wheelhouse of normal, unfortunately, for us in this right. there, there's There will always be another one. But you can't stop the next one if you don't look at the first one, if you just dismiss it, again, as a statistic then you have no hope of preventing someone else and you want from to, becoming like that child. And you want to know that the most gripping part of what you're saying is that, surprisingly enough, even though I had that same angst and anger towards this young man and, of course, his um, benefactor, it's the same exact feeling I had when I looked at him. Like, the first thing I thought to myself was, who is this kid? Like, how did this... How did we let this happen? And I don't say we as in like me, you know, me, Jordan, and Taryn personally sign this kid. Yeah, like where, like where did we go wrong, man, where this is an option? Like I get, you know, you know, stealing out of a store, maybe, you know, jacking a car radio, you know, whatever you got to, you know, whatever you got to do to get by. Some people got to do it to get, but like. Like, so becoming a mass murderer, that's like a whole Like this is something, like where did we skip, where did we skip these? Like, and this is where we're at now? Like, I don't, it's just, and 
the level of danger that was here, like this could have been anyone, anywhere doing anything, like just randomly going in or coming out of, and these, you know, these guys just decided to be on a spree that night and kill you. And for all those people, all those um, victims and, you know, that lost their lives or were injured in this, uh, in this particular um, story, you know, my heart goes out to them as well, but, you know, I feel like I feel like we were all victimized, you know, in this area that we were in the DMV, in general. Like I, I feel like we were all victimized a little bit, and that gives you that bit of anger. But even still, and even though I felt it, the first thing I thought when I looked at this kid was like, you know, what happened? It's right, and it's the same thing I think um, when we hear about school shooters. You know, they talk about um, the victims and all the people that were shot. Um, but what happened with this kid who started the shooting? And again, what, what they did was absolutely horrendous. So it's not to say that that was okay. No, but, but it, it, it gives you that question. You've got to have that question. You have to. Right. There's else, another entity there. Yeah. Or else you're, you're like, um, how does the saying go? Those that uh, ignore their past are doomed to repeat it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my, my personal theory with uh, Leroy Malva is that um, it, it's kind of like the same reason why a lot of young guys join gangs. He wanted a family. Uh, he wanted to feel like he belonged somewhere. Um, people Definitely will loved. subject themselves, right? People will subject themselves to all kinds of abuse in order to feel loved and like they belong. And if if they have not experienced love before without abuse, they don't know any differently. Mm. And you talk about battered women. I'm the woman who gets beat up and says, but he loves me. You know, they'll defend their abusers. Mm. And you have children in this situation who are extremely susceptible. And then kids aren't the best at connecting actions with consequences anyway. So I'm not sure at any point B-Boy Mabo was thinking, I'm going to go to jail for the rest of my life or I'm going to get executed because of what I'm doing. Right. Um, it was just more I, like, I, I got to help this person. That's far ahead. And that, again, that's everyday experience working with teenage boys. Um, the connection between actions and consequences is hey, 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 very, very hey. far. You have a former teenage boy over here on the other side of the microphone. Here. Hey, take uh, it easy. Take it easy. And, I, and I'm sure at some point you, you know, didn't think about the consequences of your actions. Well, I never. So, and also, also the thing with kids, like I know from my own personal experience, that there were things that happened when I was younger that, you know, okay, it wasn't really cool, but I just kind of, you know, put it off because that's what the adults around me thought. And it wasn't until I got older that I looked back on these events and I was like, you know, that was really screwed up and that should have never happened. But as a kid, you're like, oh, well, you know, the, the people around me, they know better and I don't want to upset people. Mm. And so, I mean, there's so much stuff that just comes with perspective as you get older and experience more things and, you know, I, I can tell you there's any number of things that I didn't even think anything of until I had a child myself, and I was like, this would have never gone down with my child, so why did it go down with me? So we were, uh, so we were uh, a bit of a hooligan in our uh, junior high school years there, were we, Jordan? <laughs> Is that what we're no, saying? No, I was, I was not. Is that what we're saying? I was not. Because it sounds like, no. that's what it sounds like, just saying no, I was not a, a hooligan at all. I was the kid that was like, 
teachers were like, oh, what are you doing on Friday? Are you going to a party? And I was like, no, I'll be sitting at home watching TV. Oh, wow. <laughs> or I'll be at work. <laughs> well, speaking but, for the hooligans, because yeah. I could definitely do that. I was a bit of a ruffian in my more formative years. I mean, when, when, when you were young and I was younger and um, all heads turned my way. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was a bit of a rapscallion and I can honestly say there is definitely that abandonment of common sense pretty much in everything that you do. It's, it just makes it easier to do stuff, but I mean, you know, smashing in a window, you know, to the, to the building, you're not supposed to do that in just to get chased by the cops before is, is one thing, you know, deciding to go on a shooting spree, killing people with a Bushmaster assault rifle, like that is a big, big leap. Like, how do you get, and don't get me wrong, I understand that this was a homeless kid and there was obviously some other stuff going on there, but that's a large leap. And how did we get from, you know, like, I don't think that it was all about fun for this guy, but at what point, as you know, you're Lee Boy Malvo for a second. And, I, and of course, we can never know what it was like being him because we're not him, but you're in his position. And here's this guy like, hey, look, you know, we're going to go and lay down in the trunk of this car tonight and shoot a few people and, you know, we're going to ransom the government for $10 million. Like, this is, like, at what point do you say, hold up, dude? Like, wait a minute. Hold on. So Something's not quite right here. Yeah, like, I mean, do you say, wait a minute now, this doesn't seem like a very solid, you know, path to be on. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, let's, that's let's, what you got to find out. Yeah, let's have a conversation at least, you know, about what we're going to be. And this kid just like, I don't know. It's just, is there, is it, is it that, is it that appealing to be loved, to be accepted that you would go to that? I think it's too. If, if you, if you are desperate for love, then yes, it is. Um, I mean, you can do some really stupid stuff if you are des that desperate to, for somebody to love you or to not abandon you. Hmm. I don't know. Absolutely, think rational thought won't prevail. Absolutely possible. Say that again, Terrence. I said I also think that rational thought won't prevail. I think um people in Marvel was in, indoctrinated. Um, and that he did have that need to belong somewhere. I don't know how to um, I don't I don't think that we can like you were you were asking why, I don't think we can rationally come up with an answer. Right. Because I don't think that he was thinking rationally. Like it, it wasn't Again, along the same line of actions and consequences, if I do this thing, then this is going to happen. It was kind of like a, his, like yeah, his rationality was, if I kill a bunch of people, they're going to give me $10 million to stop, which is absolutely absurd. Um, but in his mind, that made sense. Or maybe it did. And he just had a death wish. Like, we, we really don't know. Don't know. Even in the interviews that have been done with serial killers, it's, it's about um, power. We're doing something because they can do it. Right. Um, and and it, it is yeah. often just that simple. Mm -hmm. Like, I did this, and, like, it's been quoted and said, like, oh, uh, well, you guys should have stopped me the first. Like, I've, 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 I've ran into at least three of the target um, uh, research uh, topics that, I've, that I've, I've, I've done myself where that was pretty much what the killer said was, like, look, you should have kept me inside when you had me. You should have caught me the first time that I left the note. Like, like this need for them to want, like they know what they're doing is wrong. And those people, I think, when you're that far gone, where like 
you're writing notes and you know the killers and stuff like you you're obviously trying to get caught okay now i think we're delving into if this person says look you know or if a doctor comes to me and says look this guy right i'm listening to this guy like i'm gonna listen to him because obviously this person went way out of there you know it wasn't like the dc snipers where obviously there was a a, a monetary motive and these guys were hiding in trunks of cars and and shooting people from a distance so that they could get away, um, you know, drive away easier and stuff. Like and their, their, their escape was a lot more secure. Like, this is different than the guy who's like, you know, your Richard Ramirez, where, like, he literally kept killing people until somebody stopped. Like, he just literally just kept killing people until somebody physically grabbed him and beat him down and held him down for the police to come get him. And then he stopped. Like, okay, there's something. You know, I don't need a doctor. For him, you know, I don't need to hear the expert's opinion. He's off the reservation. Like I, my expert opinion, he is, or he left the reservation miles ago. You know, like it's, it's not even close. And then I get that. I can see that here, you know, and then even then, like Terrence said, there's, there's no real way to know, like how much of that was him not being all there and how much of it was about power or control or sexual aversion or whatever it was. So I guess the only real, if we're going to kind of encapsulate, and I know you guys got to head out soon, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But, you know, if we're going to delve into this as a society and point these fingers and sit on these panels and do these journeys, we got to do our due diligence and we got to, you know, give as much time and, and, and effort into these things as we can. Because like Taryn said, I mean, you just don't know. As much as you feel, as much as you want, as much as you think, as much as you research, you won't know because you're not that person. So given that, I think in that respect, it should be given its due diligence at the very least. Forget about the who did what or why, just because of that. Because like she said, it, we're, we're all people, regardless of how you want to look at it. And I think doing that a lot more will indeed lead us to not having these, these different instances. If we could just look at each other as people a lot more and give each other that, that little bit of room. So. And have the desire to help each other. Like the rate of recidivism is very low in some countries. I also watch um, Amer um, the world's toughest prisons. And he went to a prison, I believe it was in Denmark, where the recidivism was, uh, I think, less than 30%. Mm. But they had like real programs for these prisoners. Like, they taught them actual skills that they could use. They had to go to school. They had to learn a trade. Um, they couldn't just like sit in their cell all day. The prison was set up like uh, a dormitory. They had to cook for themselves. They had to clean their own spaces. Um, they had to have um, like working relationships with the guards. And the justification when, when the man first entered the prison is that being in prison itself is the punishment. If we punish you for seven years or however long you're going to be here, what kind of person will you be when you get out? Mm. So the fact that you can't leave whenever you want to, that's the punishment. But while you're here, we're going to teach you how to read. You're going to get a high school diploma or a college degree. You're going to learn a trade or a skill so that you can get a job when you go out. We're not going to release you worse than you were when you came in because you've just been punished for a decade. Wow. That kind of reminds me of um, all these programs in the United States where they have the uh, the dogs that come in and that train with the inmates, and the inmates will keep this dog for however many months or whatever, and like. The, the punishment is basically that if you don't behave, your dog gets taken away from you and given to a different inmate who's behaving. And, you know, 
they're basically responsible for all of these dogs' needs, and they end up having fewer instances of violence in the prison because these people are so, you know, they, they want they want this dog that will love them and care for them and they can love and care for it as well and train it and it gives them a purpose while they're while they're stuck there and they're gonna behave because they don't want that that little tiny reward of, you know, having that love from that dog taken away from them. So That's a I mean, very interesting for, concept. Like introducing that humanity even if it's perhaps, with an animal. That's dope. Yeah, like perhaps we need to be instilling more purposes in these prisons for people to, you know, find something that they actually care about and want to do and gives them a reason to, you know, act like a civilized individual and not, you know, just fly red at any little provocation. You know, I think we're going to um, stick a pin in that and actually come back around to that topic at some point. You know, just prisons and um, the, the mentality and, and the system in general, how we, you know, how that works. I think that would be a really interesting topic in general because, you know, we cover the more, uh, you know, in-your-face gritty side of, of these topics, but we never really talk about the the aftermath and, and, and what happens when these, when these types and these people go to prison and do these crimes and everything and have to deal. I would love to, to get some insight on that. So that's actually a pretty interesting topic. So I'm definitely going to circle back around to that. Um, but um, before we wrap this up, I wanted to say thank you, Miss Taryn Barber, for stopping through and giving us your two cents. That was uh, much needed and, and very interesting. Thank you, as always, um, for, for giving us your uh, time and effort here. You're very welcome. And um, uh, we'll let you go now so me and Jordan can wrap up. Um, okay. I'd like to leave um, yours with a final thought. That's okay. Please. Um, and Jordan mentioned civilization or acting civilized. And civilization is an agreement among yeah. all the people within that civilization. Um, we love to talk about freedom. But in order to be in a civilized country, we could give up a lot of freedom. A lot of freedoms. We agree to be bound by laws set up by a government. And these people that you referenced, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, um, Albert Finch, uh, do not agree to be bound by that same institution. They don't agree to the confines of the civilization and are therefore called uncivilized. Um, when civilization itself is a type of uh, corral to keep people um, in place and mm. to keep people from resorting to those uh, baser instincts that we have. We have laws in place so that people don't run around killing each other. Um, if there were no consequences, I'm sure that we would have a lot more. Jeffrey Dahmers and Lee Boyd Malvo's and people who um, commit these horrendous criminal acts. And I think the reason a lot of people don't or why we don't see it more often is because there's a penalty for it. Um, not necessarily because People are inherently good. Wow. Well, and we probably have, you know, the people that do commit these crimes, like, uh, uh, let's see, who was it? Kenneth Fianacci. He killed and raped like 15 women in a, in two years. And think about, like, if if there wasn't this agreement, as you put it, for civilization, how many more people would he have raped and killed? 
just because it was more accessible, more open, whatever, it wasn't it wasn't something he had to actively hide as well as he did. Yeah, it goes to that saying like everybody's sorry until they get the electric chair. Yeah. You know, everybody, you know, I mean, or at least everybody's having a good time until they get the electric chair. And that's the point is like there, you got to ask that question. When does it become more about the guilt and the, okay, I did wrong or just, damn, I got caught and shit. <laughs> like, yeah. there's a big difference between, hey, you know, I shouldn't have ran that old lady over to, damn, I can't believe they caught me running this. Like, I, like I had other people I wanted to run over tonight. Like, so yeah. there is that line and there is that that diligence again i think it swings both ways and i I really appreciate you leaving us with that thought thank you very much it was a pleasure okay all right so we'll talk to you soon then yep you guys have a great rest of your evening you do the same bye-bye all right jordan so we've been on our killing spree here for hour and a half now and um I think I'm I'm pretty much at the same place where we started. I think that I need the information. I think that I need the due diligence. I think that um, we're going to, you know, try to keep it trucking along as a civilization and do the best that we can to give that uh, benefit of the doubt and um, try to be a, a good jury of peers. And, you know, like I guess um, the Madam President said, look at each other as people. You know, I think that that helps a lot and goes a long way with what we're trying to get done here. So. Um, on that note, I'll get any final thoughts that you may have on this, and then we will wrap this up. Um, like I said a few times tonight, I mean, sometimes it's a matter of, like, how did somebody not notice that something was wrong before this became an issue? And I think that as a society, especially now that, you know, we have so much technology going on, and, you know, you've got... Uh, uh, basically a handheld computer everywhere you go and people are constantly on their phones and they're not paying attention and so many people are just so in their own head that they don't pay attention to what other people are doing and what's affecting other people in their lives and I think that we need to as a society start caring a little bit more about people Uh, and hopefully you know making those kind of changes will help us see, you know, your friend who lives down the street, they they just had a kid and they're really struggling with uh, postpartum depression. I mean, that's something that is pretty easy to, to fix if you catch it in time. But so many people are either like, oh, that's not a real thing, or they just don't care to, to notice that there's a problem, that it potentially does become a problem eventually. Right. So I think just as a society, caring more about the people around us, the people we see every day, the people we don't see every day, asking asking our friends, you know, hey, are you okay? Hey, I'm just checking in because I know this is a hard time of year for you. Things like that, showing you care, it, it gives them a little bit more incentive to, you know, reach out if there is a problem mm. and could fix some of these problems in our society. Not all of them, obviously. Jordan, but, are you yeah. telling us to be civilized in our society and our civilization? Is that what you're trying to tell us to do? Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to say we need to, we need to we need to care about people other than ourselves a little bit more. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. And that's that's 
that's pretty much the overall aesthetic of it. Um, and I hate to say that, you know, it's possible, but there are, you know, those, those few that you can reach those, uh, you know, those milestones that you can cross that will help. And, you know, maybe it will just take that little thing. Like you said, that little, uh, you know, push towards being a little more civil, a little more cordial, a little more understanding, a little more diligent when it comes to your fellow man or woman. And I, I got to agree wholeheartedly with you. Yeah, I mean, perhaps, you know, there's a kid that something's, something's going on in that kid's life and you're able to basically pull him out of that situation and prevent however many years of trauma that they might face that will turn them into the next Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And there is that bit of responsibility. So to all my listeners, I'm going to go ahead and push this one out to you guys on your court and um, dare you to be a little more human a little more humane, you know, a little more uh, you know, tender and, and caring towards your fellow man because that's what it's going to take. I don't think that building more prisons or creating more laws or giving more officers guns is going to do it. I think it starts with us. I think it's our responsibility, and I think it's something that we definitely, definitely need to at the very least take a stop, look, and listen at. And on that note, I'm going to be signing off um, – for this. Did you do the poll? No, I didn't. Oh, my goodness. Thank you very much for saving me there. We do have a poll, as customary. I that's, usually that's forget it. And I appreciate uh, that. That's what you're here for. That's what we got you here for. That's what we pay you the big bucks for, you know, to remind me of the things that I am not reminded of. Um, No, I always mess it up. I've been messing up your guys' polls for weeks here. It's all right if you want to personally write me an angry letter. I deserve it. Um, this particular poll um, went up kind of early, so we, we didn't get that many responses, but as customary, the maniacs and all our social media families showed up in style. Um, do you think insanity should absolve people for responsibility in committing crimes? Um, even if someone, the, um, the two options are, even if someone is insane, they should still be held responsible for their actions. And two is, if someone is insane, they should not be held responsible for their actions. We have a slam dunk landslide, 15 votes to zip zero zilch. Uh, the maniacs have spoken, and they will hold you responsible for axe murdering them. They are not kidding around. <laughs> they are very serious about this. Um, they obviously have their way of looking at it, and the people have spoken. So, if, you know, you commit a violent crime, you will be held responsible, regardless to what level of responsibility you will be held to. The maniacs have spoken. You will be held to some level of responsibility. And I, I can dig it. I can dig it. We all have um, some level of responsibility, even if it's in our illnesses. We have some level of responsibility, so we should be held to it. So I agree with the maniacs. What about you, Jordan? Um, yeah, I mean, as, as long as we're not, you know, doing one set answer to how they should be held responsible, then yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, no, 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 responsible is responsible, whether that's mental health, yeah, I mean, help, or... I mean, like, as long as they're, they're, they're getting some kind of, you know, something, then yeah, absolutely. Whether okay. that be that they're going to a mental institution and they're getting they're getting the help that they so obviously need, or they're going to prison or doing whatever, then yeah, absolutely, they need to be held responsible. And in fact, there are some people that I, I personally get angry that they don't get held to a 
Agreed. Agreed. I have I've been over some of these cases and like I mean, it's appalling to think of some of the sentences that have been handed down in error and in uh, just uh, uh, straight fuckery at some points where you're like, what is going on? Like, well, you know, why isn't this a more this should be this should be considered <laughs> a more heinous crime? Like, what what's happening? But um, yeah. you do have those instances where it happens, and unfortunately, when we do, I mean, no, fortunately, when we get a chance to talk about the system and its role in all of this, we will definitely get a chance to talk about that. Um, did you have anything else for your closing arguments? Uh, thoughts? All right, well, then that will conclude this episode of the Amalga Files. Remember, we will be coming back at the end of October. We will definitely keep you posted on when our Salem uh, Witch Trials episode will start off the next season. So be paying attention and um, give us a listen and we'll let you know. And thank you for everyone who participated and listened on this cast. And don't forget, we're going to be giving away some books to you guys. And um, shout out to all of our closely related social media family and friends and all of our listeners out there. We'll see you guys at the beginning of the next season right here. Now the five.